0: The best laid plans of mice and men, aka The Smug Buds, season four. I'm your host, Will, and I'm joined as always by your other host, Liz. Hi, Liz.
1: Hey, Will. How are you, my love?
0: I'm doing okay. How are you holding up?
1: Oh, just barely. (laughs) Uh huh. (laughs) So, we're, we're. I didn't ask you this, but when we talked about doing. This fourth season is not what you expect. You plural, our goslings. Because we we made a promise, and um, like all promises right now, they're being broken and mm-hmm. destroyed. And Will, uh, we'll, we'll get to what that is in a second, but Will when he messaged me about doing the fourth season said he wanted to um, record and post them weekly, which is not something we've done in the past um, to accommodate our schedules and um, just because it's fucking stressful. Um... <laughs> Okay,
0: <laughs> making it sound like I'm asking for something that uh, oh, is unreasonable, but go no, no, on. No, <laughs>
1: no, normally it would be stressful when we weren't stuck inside of our houses. But sure. did you – Um, I didn't ask you this offline because I wanted to ask you online. Did you want us to release them um, weekly so that they're timelier?
0: Yes. So I was thinking I – you know, everything is changing uh, sometimes drastically and dramatically just from day to day. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this would be a more appropriate time to release episodes the same <laughs> week in which we're recording them rather than in the past. We've recorded a lot of episodes in advance. We've banked them. And sometimes they're recorded a whole month before they're Mm -hmm. released and anyone besides us listens to them to the extent that anyone besides us listens to them, which is a small but still existing extent. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yes, I was I was thinking two things. I was thinking it would be more appropriate if uh, what we were talking about was a little more timely. And I was also thinking, well, since we're both working from home we're both sheltering in place. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that means that it will be easier than ever to record whenever we feel like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've listened to um, some episodes of Buffering, The Vampire Slayer, and Angel on Top, which is just about the only podcast I can actually keep up. Oh, and and to Ellen back, it's pretty much the only podcast I can keep up with to right now because I um I can't listen to podcasts while I work uh, for the most part anymore. Mm, I'm and, sorry. Uh yeah, which is terrible. Um, yeah. but um they've even said like they they there have been at least twice where they've been like, we just want to let you know we recorded this before blank happened mm-hmm. like a week ago. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> yes. So yeah. we, of course we know what we're talking about here, and that is that
0: don't say the, the backstreet boys,
1: backstreet boys. <laughs> you saw it in my
0: face no we are we are not the game grumps we <laughs> do not post to youtube we are not monetized and therefore we are under no risk of being demonetized <laughs> so uh you don't have yeah. to
1: say that the backstreet boys tour <laughs> is,
0: is the reason happening. that we're all sheltering in place yes the last episode that we released we released in Mm mid-march we recorded it in march Mm -hmm. it is the one episode a year where you and i are in the same room
1: until this year we hope but as
0: opposed to the way we normally record the podcast we are very far apart in different states and we're talking via skype Mm -hmm. and we're each recording ourselves, and then there. are splice together later uh whereas other podcasts they norm- they normally are in the same place mm-hmm. and then starting in march they started to record from their <laughs> homes remotely in separate places
1: wouldn't it be funny if um you and i ended up quarantined together and we were yes. like well
0: that would be a different story entirely i think that would mean that might mean no more hiatuses for the Smug Buds. It might, it might get the Patreon started.
1: It just devolves. I just imagine it devolving into me like crawling into your bed in the morning with the microphone and being like, good morning from the Smug Buds. I'm here with Will, who's still asleep. And you just being like, get the fuck out of my bed. And me being like, this is where we are, guys. It's week five.
0: Yes, I think I would do. Yes, I I, the the more the longer I'm at home, the longer I'm thinking about like live streaming and like, how do I broadcast myself more and create more of a a social safety net or like a simulated one, at Mm -hmm. least a virtual one. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to speaking of this podcast in relation to other podcasts, I just wanted to take a moment to say, well, well, well! Isn't it interesting <laughs> that some professional podcasts that I listen to are starting to sound quality-wise a lot like our little rinky-dink amateur podcast, or in some cases, inferior to it, if if I may cast Will, you're that level s- of shame. You're
1: so smug.
0: Just, just in, just in the level of the way that people's, you know, voices sounds. There's a lot of like. It's just like I'm listening to someone over the phone Mm. uh, when I listen to certain podcasts uh, nowadays.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say as a note, I'm always impressed at how terrible sound is over the phone. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: I thought we would start as I want to start all of my episodes. And it's up to you if you want to start yours the same way Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, what I am going to call old business <laughs> mm-hmm. and we've already begun to talk about it cause we referenced a broken promise and the previous episode, but the, the, the order of the day in terms oh, of old oh, sorry. business. One thing hmm. uh,
1: we joked about the Backstreet Boys. If you're listening to this in, like, uh, an archival form in 2095, (laughs) we're in the middle of the fucking pandemic. And we've been sheltering in place for five – we're in the fifth week of sheltering in place and self-isolation and all that bullshit. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's hell. And uh, we're both incredibly lucky to have the jobs we have. Other people are way worse. It still sucks. Um, So that's what we're doing right now. Everybody in 2095 listening to this. I'm probably dead.
0: Yeah, uh, to timestamp this, we're recording this on the evening of Tuesday, April 14th, 2020, in the middle of uh, your uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Shelter-in-place orders are in effect. And uh, speaking of other podcasts and, and the current moment in time, everything that you just said describing it is totally valid. And I totally hear where you're coming from. It's, it's, Rings a a bell uh, in my mind hearing you call it hell, just because I'm reminded of another podcaster, uh, Matt Gorley, one of Mm -hmm. my favorite people Mm -hmm. who uh, uh, released a a new episode of Pistol Shrimps Radio. uh, And uh, Matt was talking about the current conditions with uh, his co-host, Mark McConville. Mm -hmm. And he used a phrase that has really been stuck in my head for the past like three or four weeks or however long ago I heard it. Matt Gorley called his current condition mandatory heaven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt Gorley doesn't have a three and a half. Yeah,
0: you don't. Yeah, you do. He doesn't, and <laughs> and and neither do I. So I'm I'm somewhere in between those two states, and I, and pretty happy for it.
1: I will say, my friend Laura sent me this quote from the Aces newsletter, which is the copy editing society we're part of, and it was like. Um, you know, for those of you who are struggling or maybe even doing better right now. And she was like, who's doing better right now? And then two days later, I talked to my friend who works, um, on super secret government contracting stuff. He works for a company, but he works for super secret government stuff. So super secret that he can't do it at home. Mm. And so they cannot slash will not fire him because if they were to fire him and his other people, um, They would um, lose so many highly skilled workers, people that they Mm -hmm. can't just rehire very easily. Yeah. Um, But they also can't legally come to work. And so Mm -hmm. he is being fully paid to not work. To stay at
0: home and not work. And has
1: no responsibilities, has a wife that he can spend time with, like has a Mm -hmm. person. Yep. And that person, bless him, my dear friend, is doing pretty good right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the only ones I know.
0: <laughs> okay. well, you know me and'm I'm, I'm doing pretty okay well. and and, and we'll, we'll talk more about that as this <laughs> goes on, I'm sure. Um, and and I, I, I'm sincerely sorry to hear about the ways in which you're you're struggling, but yes, I, I hope that uh, we your friends can help uh, uh, help you suffer through it uh, always do. in our own little way. So um so the old business I wanted to start with was just to shout out uh what we're not doing, mm-hmm. which is what w- we not only planned to do, but discussed the plan in the previous episode. We which, shook hands. Yes. It, we took a photo <laughs> of the historic moment during which we shook hands. Um the the plan was uh and and part one is not just our plan, but uh uh, Hollywood's plan mm-hmm. uh, was to release a movie called *The French Dispatch*, uh, the new film by Wes Anderson, uh, in late July. Uh, and so, our plan was to uh, devote season four of this podcast just to uh, Wes Anderson films uh, and do one film per episode, a la the uh, *Blank Check* with Griffin and David podcasts, where where mm-hmm. they do a similar thing with different directors. And uh, it would all lead up to the premiere of the new film and, and it would be a very neat 10 episodes because it's going to be his 10th feature film. Um, The news has broken by now that like most films that were supposed to be released in the coming months, uh, it has been perhaps somewhat optimistically uh, postponed (laughs) to the fall. Uh, It has a new release date in mid-October. And so Liz and I talked it over and we agreed that, uh, we are going to wait and hope for the best and mm-hmm. assume that we are going to be able to see that movie in October, that we will maybe do together, th- maybe even together if things really go super well, mm-hmm. uh, after the summer. Uh, and, uh, because you have plans to visit us here in Tucson in October. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in the meantime, uh, while you know, while we're waiting, and that will be hopefully season five, if it goes according to the new plan, mm-hmm. then uh, you get season four, which is uh, your standard back to basics uh, 10 episodes, five by me, five by Liz. Uh, this is my first one. And uh, yeah, the uh, uh, I, I sort of talked about this when we were talking about the Wes Anderson of it all. Um, But just the way that I want to do it slightly differently is like we already talked about it. I want to release them sooner Mm -hmm. so that there's more of a uh, uh, time relevance to what, uh, you know, some of the things we say if we're talking about what's going on in the world or in our lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other thing is, um, you know, I thought it's up to you if you want to whatever way you want to do it. But I want to be just a little more loosey goosey. Mm -hmm. A little, a little more rambling up top. A little more, just sort of catching up, Mm -hmm. and then the topic that I want to do. We'll get to that, and maybe spend a little less time on it than we would have in the past.
1: Yeah, same. I don't have any topics for the season that um, require uh, global studies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, uh, in the interest of uh, bringing is it you know bring bringing relevance to you know the 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 uh framework that i'm talking about um uh, we're recording this on tuesday we're gonna you know people are gonna hear it maybe the following sunday or monday um i can say breaking news this is this is news that just broke today Mm -hmm. and when people are hearing this it will only be a week old rather than a month old uh, it's And it's news from the MCU. Have you heard this? No. There's breaking news from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the film Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Doctor Strange 2, uh-huh. has a new director. Uh, it was uh, supposed to be directed by uh, the guy who directed the first Doctor Strange movie, who... Shall saw, remain nameless. Not, not until I <laughs> Google it. <laughs> sorry that i think that that guy is forgettable but i'm not well super you forgot
1: f- him it's not a thinking thing it's a physical thing that just happened
0: uh his name is scott derrickson he was supposed to direct the second doctor strange film
1: scott uh, derrickson mm-hmm. i'm sorry scott okay. derrick is scott derrickson sounds like a name that Oh, who's that guy who played the douche on Parks and Rec? Uh,
0: you mean Ben Schwartz?
1: No, Ben Schwartz played. Oh,
0: you mean? Um, oh, you mean the actual the guy who's actually the douche? Um, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, no, not John Uh
0: Nick Kroll played the douche. Nick Kroll. Yeah.
1: Steve Derrickson. Scott sounds Derrickson. Like Scott Derrickson. You you slipped
0: like... in the comedy name trying <laughs> to did. remember the name Scott Derrickson.
1: <laughs> Scott Derrickson sounds like the name of a person in a nick kroll sketch that's a douchebag
0: so uh yeah, the new director of uh the second doctor strange movie is none other than uh sam rainey
1: oh wow okay yeah whoa seems like an
0: upgrade yeah <laughs> yeah i mean from a name <laughs> i can't remember to uh, a very famous memorable director <laughs> um and uh so if you if you hear that and you don't understand why that might be exciting i would frame it as thusly uh <laughs> sam Raimi it was the director of the three spider spider-man movies starring toby maguire mm-hmm. uh and he's also the director of the evil dead movies uh and he's primarily known as a, a horror director mm-hmm. and um when the news uh, when when Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was announced at the same time that so many Marvel projects were announced person after person coming out on stage and saying their piece and whatnot. The old director, Scott Derrickson, came out. I don't remember exactly what he said, but what I understood the spirit of it to be was they announced this next Dr. Strange movie is going to be the closest thing to a horror movie as has ever existed in the MCU. Yes. If it's if it's not a horror movie, then it's at least a horror adjacent uh, movie. kind oh of. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm now, so into it. And now Sam Raimi is in charge of it. So uh, pretty cool Licking breaking my news. lips at that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll look forward to I think that's supposed to come out next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I have uh, some old business, too, by the way. Yeah. Let's talk old business.
1: Did you get the email from Kenny? To the Slug Buds uh, email?
0: I guess I didn't.
1: So Kenny sent us an email um yesterday at 1030 in the morning mm. when I was in a meeting and said to and he said to me, did you get my email? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, the creators of Homestar Runner just dropped a massive three volume soundtrack.
2: Nice. So
1: this is from Gizmodo. Mm hmm. So it says, I just dropped, so the tweet from Strong Bad is, I just dropped three volumes, 180 tracks of background music, jingles, and songs from 20 years of Homestar Runner. And it's on Spotify.
0: Nice. Uh, As I've said before, I don't use Spotify because it sucks and I hate it. Uh, But that's good (laughs) news about the soundtrack (laughs) otherwise.
1: Well, I'm sure you can find it some other place, but that's where it was linked to. Nice. Um and it does say in there that some of the bigger hits aren't on that because they were already on the Like Strong Bad Sings album that's yes. been released but mm-hmm. um you know Teen Girl Squad mm-hmm. boop, boop, boop. Uh
0: I also have some old business pertaining to Homestar Runner but that is for a different future episode
1: Ooh. of the
0: podcast
1: foreshadowing
0: So uh unless you have any other old business no, I wanted to next transition gracefully and skillfully uh-huh. from the old business segment to uh, the main course of the episode <laughs> uh, by talking about <laughs> video games in general.
1: I just want to uh, say, I just want to say old business to main course sounds like a terrible meal.
0: <laughs> it's a mixed metaphor and I stand by it.
1: <laughs> I, I chewed on this old shoe mm. and now it's time for a filet mignon
0: mm. tasty and amuse bouche called old business
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, so the old <laughs> business is that in the previous episode i did a little review of the video games that i had played in the first quarter of the year of our Lord 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh I wanted to bring this up again in order to rectify a disastrous mistake that I made. Oh, I, ma- please. I managed to talk about those video games without mentioning that in that time frame, I also played a game called Kentucky Route Zero. Yes. Which is just by far the best out of any of the video games that i played. <laughs> we uh, just started this year. it two nights ago. Oh, we just started Oh, nice. Okay. Two
1: nights ago? How many times have we played it? Just once, but it, we we got through a couple chapters.
0: Uh-huh. Couple uh okay, yeah, i think i know we, not episodes. Or
1: yeah, like episode whatever chapter, yeah.
0: Episode 1 chapter whatever. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, looking forward to talking to you way more about that as you experience more of it. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully sooner rather than later uh, experiencing it vicariously through Dana playing it because uh, she really didn't do very much backseat uh, gaming or spectating at all as I was playing it myself. So yeah, I wanted she to needs also- to do it as well.
1: I wanted to publicly thank you for recommending that because, um, I like that game a lot from what we've played, but Kenny loves it. It's Mm -hmm. like very Kenny, um, which Kentucky Route Zero is, Yes,
0: which is something I just wanted to clarify because that is something you have also said about Return of the Obra Dinn, which you just played and was also a recommendation from me and probably might be the most Kenny work of art I I can think of that has been created.
1: It's true. It's true. And Return of the... I I also wanted to thank you publicly for that. I was going to bring that up next because um, Mm. with our brains being so fried, um, I mean, so just very briefly, um, I've started... I wake up at 5.45 every day. That's a work day now. And Mm -hmm. by 6.10 or 6.15, I am working. And Mm. then I work until 4.30.
0: That sucks.
1: Because I'm non-exempt. And so... I basically, no, nobody's like checking in on me on this minute for minute, but I basically have to account for the time that I stop for 20 minutes here or 15 minutes there to watch Elliot. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that's setting up an activity for him. Sometimes that's taking him to the bathroom. Sometimes that's just literally stopping to pay attention to him. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, I am I am just fried. Because then even when I'm done working, I then, you know, Kenny and I are still you know cooking dinner and cleaning and caring for him until he goes to bed and we played the return of obriden i think fairly quickly i think you were pretty impressed at how quickly we got through it
0: i i yes i i agree i would say so
1: and i mean i think it was definitely we each had our own strengths and so we each um we agreed on a strategy but we were each looking for different things in a way that was useful and complementary
0: yes two heads are better than one
1: yes um But um, that game was just like the perfect palate cleanser. We were so we it was something to look Mm -hmm. forward to. We were so excited about it, and it wasn't as as much as it was like cool and creepy. It was never stressful. Mm, Yeah. So I've been recommending it to anybody who loves solving a puzzle, anybody Mm -hmm. who loves the logic, those grid logic games. Yeah. um, yeah. Pen and paper. Mm -hmm. Um, just a beautiful game, a game that I can't, I cannot imagine writing like physically yeah. just writing that it game. It seems impossible. It seems <laughs> yeah. impossible.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm so glad that you felt that way about it, that you had that experience. And I am glad that you are, the both of you are off to a good start in your relationship with Kentucky Route Zero, a game that is uh, really like in a class of its own. Um, in the time between uh, our last episode and this one, I have also played. Uh, I have started and finished uh, a game called Disco Elysium. Yes, uh, which uh, had which kind of sort of shares some DNA with Kentucky Route Zero, mm-hmm. and I got totally sucked into, wrapped up in, like, fixated on. It was like. Sort of like low-grade anxiety-inducing, but in this way where it was just like, well, I just like can't put it out of my mind sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost like worried that, like, uh, like what's gonna happen when I boot it up, you know? I, yeah. I'm just like I don't know if I can handle, you know, playing more of it right now. Um, but it ro- it rocks, it rules, it slaps, uh, it's awesome. Um, the other thing I've done is I finished playing Pokemon Sword, which we oh, yes. discussed at some length in the previous episode.
1: How much did you finish it?
0: Um, I beat the champ.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, and that's that, that and I, I stopped there. I um, did
1: I did look it up because I also beat it since we mm-hmm. talked. And um and after that there's like a whole secondary set of quests. Yeah. To get the, like, legendary. Because Kenny was like, have you gotten the legendary yet? And I was like, no. And he was like, I mean, it's got to happen soon if you're almost at the end. And that was not, in fact, true because it's the sort of, like, post-credits, like, completionist Mm -hmm. reward.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't like that.
1: (laughs) You you've been critical of this game though so that's not surprising to me. But
0: actually I mean like the way I played it I'm very satisfied with it. Oh good. Like I played it just sort of like bare bones like
1: You just did what you wanted.
0: I just did what I wanted. Yeah. I did I I fucked around with very little extraneous activities. The only thing I indulged in was were things that I enjoyed. Yeah. Like it was totally unnecessary that I buy a bunch of clothes and accessories and change my look a lot throughout the game. Yeah. But I found joy in that. So I yeah. did do that. Yeah. But other than that, other than that, I was just playing Pokemon. I enjoyed the story more than and I guess more I you guess you could say more than any other Pokemon game that I've played. Because yeah. that's never been like a significant draw. Uh, for these games for me and um, the ending I just found like satisfying in a way that made me feel like engaged with it Uh Uh, uh, but the real reason that I wanted to finish Pokemon when I did was to make room in our lives for Animal Crossing right and I guess the question I have for you is why aren't You playing Animal Crossing.
1: (laughs) Okay, so Sarah, devotee of the pod, love of my life, asked me the same question the other day. And I don't... (laughs) I don't mean this in a mean way, but it was almost accusatory. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see if I can find it. I
0: I, I might have put it nicely, but uh, there may be some of that behind my uh, version of that question as well.
1: So have you ever... um, have you played any animal crossing before this? That's my question to you.
0: No, this is my first one,
1: okay. um, I think that's true for a lot of people. um yep. this was hers her for her first one as well um and i um oh, I really want to find the way that she worded this i um I have a real reason for this and I thought maybe it had changed between them. So I don't know very much about Animal Crossing um, because of this. Okay. This is what she said. She just said, it wasn't a question. She just said, I am, I am surprised you're not into Animal Crossing. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I said, I don't know. I never was before. It always seems stressful. And she said, ha ha, why? I didn't play any of the other ones, but I'm obviously doing so now. And this is why I thought it was stressful. Mm -hmm. In like 2009, 2010, you know, just around college times, Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you could look at when the game came out to pinpoint this a little bit better. I was hanging out with my friend Becky, and um, she was playing Animal Crossing on her DS. Okay. And I was like, what's that? And she said, it's Animal Crossing. Uh, You're a a person in this town with animals, um, but you have to log in every day. um, And then you owe this dude currency and you have to get it to him. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, that sounds stressful. I don't have the time for that. I can't be playing this every day. And I don't like being in debt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, Sarah said... Yeah, I have been logging in every day, but it is really what you make of it. And I said, okay. Um, but yeah, so I just, I guess I just had, it was one of those things like, have I ever told you about coconut? I swear to God, this is related. Coconut. My distaste for it? coconut initially in my life.
0: Oh, yeah. That does ring a bell now that you say that.
1: Basically, I thought I didn't like coconut for like the first. Yeah. 10 years of my life or something. Sure. And. Do you remember why? I feel like you now remember.
0: No, it's not coming to me.
1: It's because in Rugrats, Angelica, anytime she would get a candy that had coconut, oh. she'd go, ugh, coconut.
0: Yeah, So sure. I just
1: assumed coconut was bad. And then I remember right. eating coconut for the first time and being like, holy shit.
0: I probably had that association too, although I never thought of that. But I watched a lot of Rugrats, and I n- never had any interest in coconut until I was like a full-grown adult, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think the first time I had coconut, it was in a savory application. It was not in a – which is maybe why I ate it. It was in, like, mm. coconut fried shrimp. Um, mm, but, yeah, but I think the yeah. same thing That's happened good, with Animal Crossing. That's
0: uh, a good entry point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is that,
1: um, you know, somebody told me something once, and I thought it was stressful, and I <laughs> blacked <yeah>. out. <laughs> the,
0: the, the big joke about Animal Crossing that everybody picks up on – and everybody thinks that they come to independently and everybody repeats is that this is just like a debt simulator. And it's like, <laughs> it, it it's not only debt, but it's like predatory loans where you like, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're getting into until you find out how deep you're in. And while that is not inaccurate, mm-hmm. I would say that it tells a skewed story because in my experience, the reality is that it does not come with any of the anxiety of having debt mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it comes with no deadlines. Oh there are no payment schedules. there is no particular date or time at which you have to pay what you owe. Uh, you just pay at your own pace what you what you owe. Okay. And you do everything at your own pace, like except for the fact that, like, yeah, there are timed events, but th- your participation in in anything is not mandatory.
1: I guess I, and this is entirely made up then, because I knew that you had to pay that Tanuki, um, like bells. Yes. I think I imagined there were times that he got angry and I have in my head this angry faced Tanuki. (laughs) but I guess I I made him up.
0: As I've said already, I have no experience with prior Animal Crossing games. I don't know what might be true for those games, but in my experience so far with Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Switch, it is totally chill and no one will get angry at
1: you. So I wanted to read you this tweet that I read the other day um, that I laughed at uh, because I knew who Tom Nook was, but somebody, somebody tweeted... Look, the way y'all talk about Tom Nook, I thought the man was real. Yeah. An actual landlord. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> yeah. he's not a man. He's a goddamned fucking raccoon. And of course, he's not a raccoon. He's a tanuki, as a we tanuki, yes. discussed. Thank but, you for
0: pointing that out. Yes. Uh,
1: but to a layperson who, again, thought that it was a real person, I think <laughs> raccoon is an accurate assessment of yes. the situation at hand.
0: He is much closer <laughs> to being a raccoon than he is a, <laughs> a real man. human man.
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I said she was like, Sarah was like um, doing this thing I often do, which is where I'm like, if somebody will tell me, well, I don't know how I feel about something. And I'll say, well, I think you should like it, but here's a small persuasive essay. So she did that for me and I was like, I'll keep it in mind.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, uh, And so maybe I will play it, but uh, I just feel like I have been trying in these trying times to read much more swiftly um, because I can't go for walks really. Like I normally on a work day I go for a walk at lunch, yeah. but I can't do that because I um, have a child to take care of. So right. I've been trying to read a lot more aggressively um instead of playing video games. Not that there's anything wrong with playing video games. I just mm-hmm. got all those books at AWP.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, and I've been trying to balance out. I've been trying to do some of everything. I've been anyway. trying to read the books I got at AWP. I've been trying to play video games uh more. Perhaps, perhaps not more than ever, but mm-hmm. uh, perhaps more than ever as an adult, uh, and uh, and watch movies and and keep up with TV and uh, uh, even a, a little bit of writing, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so uh, it's it's been about three or four weeks since Animal Crossing came out, and uh, it, in my I could total I could devote two hours of this podcast just to talking about the new Animal Crossing <laughs> game. But maybe we'll wait on that until you've had some experience with it, uh, assuming that you ever come around to it. Uh, have you...
1: Um, have you I, no, you haven't. I wanted to tell you that um, Off Book, the Improvised Musical yes. podcast that I occasionally will send you episodes I know you'll mm-hmm. particularly love. Yeah. Um, they've been doing quarantined versions of their podcast. And mm-hmm. they're in a particular place where they cannot live improvise songs together because right. they could never get it to sync right um and so what they've been doing is meeting up and recording and one person has to improvise the whole song which they right. mentioned is incredibly difficult because yeah. part of the improvising is playing off one another mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i'm Brett, gonna stop
0: you right now yes i have not listened to any of those episodes but yes. i have seen on youtube Zach Reno's improvised song about Animal Crossing. Yes,
1: that's what I was going to tell you about. Um, The thing I wanted to mention um, about that specifically, and I don't know how much of it they actually played that you saw on YouTube, but when he was done, Zach was like, did you rip that? And Brett was like, no, I completely recreated that song on Mm. guitar for you and something that they said which i'm too much of a a non-music expert to know is that that song in and of itself does not have a normal chord progression Mm -hmm. so it was actually which is to say it was actually sort of difficult for him to figure out (laughs) right
0: yeah that's interesting yeah i hadn't even really thought about that um i uh think zacharino is very funny very talented and very cute
1: he's so cute Oh, can I tell you some exciting news? Please. So he's in a new Netflix show called, uh, I think it's called...
0: Bruise Brothers. Bruise
1: Brothers. I was going to say Beer yeah. Brothers, but that's wrong. I watched the first episode. Okay. And it's not good. Yeah. But Zach is good. Mm. And in the first episode, mm-hmm. you get to see his butt. Whoa. His whole butt.
0: Not expecting that from a Netflix program but uh, I uh, yeah that is possible
1: it's, it's real cute
0: Okay I'm gonna file that away.
1: I don't mean this in like a real sexy way I mean this in a pure appreciation for a cute little butt
0: friend to friend I friend appreciate friend. I appreciate you sharing that with me <laughs> So um, look yes. forward to more uh, updates about my gaming in future episodes and now speaking of gaming, Let's talk yes. about a little uh, video game company uh, called Telltale Games. Yes. And this is uh, what we what we start off with is called getting a baseline. Mm-hmm. And by way of getting a baseline, I ask you, Liz, uh, what is your knowledge of and/or experience with Telltale Games, please?
1: Monkey Island.
0: Ah, Tales of, if I'm Have, not mistaken.
1: It, Tales of Monkey Island. Have you played any of the Monkey Island games? I'm sure we've discussed this and I, I truly could not remember.
0: <laughs> I tried to one time for the Xbox 360. I think they put oh, yeah. out a remaster of the first one. If mm. uh, if I knew what I was playing, I'm not that sure. right. I tried to play it. I didn't get very far before I got stuck and did not like it.
1: So the first one is... The first two are hard because it's Uh like sort of old school click and point. The first one I played was The Curse of Monkey Island, which was a cartoon um, point and click. So funny. um, Mm -hmm. Fully voice acted. It was the first one that was fully voice acted. Yeah. Um, And just one of those franchises that like... You know, you wait and wait and wait and hope that you get another game. And when you do, it's just like the best. And so mm-hmm. um, three and four came out. So one and two came out. Oh, I, sh- I should have looked this up earlier. One and two were like, you know, 8-bit or 16-bit or whatever the fuck. Like, you know, low quality, pixelated. Mm-hmm. Um, three was this like cartoon. And that came out, I think, in the late... I Oh, Googling just monkey was not useful here, FYI. I'm
0: looking at Wikipedia. So the Curse of <laughs> Monkey Island came out in 1997.
1: Okay, so 97. So I played it I think in 99 or 2000. Okay. Um my dad bought it for me. Um actually one of one of those fond memories that I have yeah. him. Um, That's nice. Yeah. So okay, so, so the Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2: LeChuck's Revenge came out in 1990 and 1991. So again, people waited 6 years and got the Curse of Monkey Island. So yep. I played it somewhere between 98 and 99 because I remember when Escape from Monkey Island came out in 2000. Yep. yep. And my dad got it for me because he he knew that I liked playing games like that, but they were mm. sort of dying by mm-hmm. that point. Yeah, and totally. so he he went to um, Babbages. Do you remember Babbages? Yeah.
0: Okay, can I tell you why I remember Babbages? Please, I would I would have no idea what Babbages was except for an episode of Teen Girl Squad. <laughs>
2: yes. yes, because
0: uh, it's the episode where. Uh, cheerleader is the first to die Uh and so everyone gets to do whatever they want yeah (laughs) and uh, and what they want what they do is described in a song montage that Strong Bad sings (laughs) and it ends in Strong Bad singing uh, then crazy learner's permit girl gave me a ride to Babbage's and then what
1: the fuck is Babbage's (laughs) and when they
0: get there Strong Bad is upset that Babbage's uh, don't got no turbo graphics games. <laughs> yeah, so so that was how I learned what Babbage's and turbo graphics were.
1: <laughs> so Babbage's was, in fact, the place where I got computer and video games for much of my youth. Cool. Um, my dad said that he, my dad literally came home one day and was like, I know you like playing games like this, apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I went into Babbage's and I said, Do you have any games like King's Quest? Because yes. um, I had played King's Quest a lot, specifically sure. the one with the mom and the daughter, which is incredible, yeah. um, that I think I've been up before. And what he brought home was Curse of Monkey Island. Mm. Um, so, okay, fast forward to 2009. Kenny and I have just started dating, and um, we have somehow brought up um, Monkey Island. And I think I made some reference. There's In Monkey Island 3, at some point you take these towels um, from a cabana, and every time you pick one up, Guybrush says nice fluffy tail and Kenny and I still quote that all the time <laughs> nice. he says it in this really cute way and mm-hmm. so I think we somehow brought this up and we were like wait do you know about monkey island he was like do you know about monkey island and you know we were in loves already but that made it you know that's what sealed mm-hmm. the deal
3: totally. um
1: and so when telltale games said that they were putting out new monkey island we were both like "Ah!" yeah um and so what it was um and so this is my baseline for that um it was going to be coming out episodically. Yep. Um, when it was coming out, we were not going to be together, Kenny and I, and so we were playing each episode as quickly as we could, so we could then talk about it with one another. Yeah. And um, then at the end, it—I um, think he got like an actual disc that he could play it on. But before mm-hmm. then, he downloaded it, and so yeah. that was that was their whole shtick with these sort of like serialized games with chapters. Right. Um, and they were in the same style. They were this point and click. Um, and then I know that they it, they weren't always like that. But um, that was what I think of when I thought of that. Um, yeah. One small side note about Monkey Island, which we could probably do a whole episode on. Um, the dude who voices Guybrush Threepwood, whose name I'm not going to remember, um, he um, went back to record the voice for Guybrush In Mm -hmm. episodes one and two. He started in episode three. And he had always been a fan of these games when he got hired to do Curse of Monkey Island. And so when he recorded the voice for episodes one and two, he almost didn't have to use the script because he pretty much had the games memorized. Mm. Where, like, he already had in his head the way he wanted to deliver the lines because he was so familiar with the games, which I think is one of – like, it's one of those facts that makes me so happy because somebody who clearly loves something so much got to do something that, like, really meant a lot to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. I like hearing that. According to Wikipedia, Tales of Monkey Island is an episodic adventure consisting of five different episodes – which is very common for Telltale Games. Mm-hmm. The first episode was released on July 7th, 2009, and yep. the last one released on December 8th, 2009. So that's the only Telltale game you've played, huh?
1: Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think so. Um, uh-huh. I've Kenny was like, don't you remember... Kenny, what was that other Telltale game you asked me about? He was like, you've played Puzzle Agent, right? I was like, fuck, hmm. no.
0: That's weird. That's interesting. So I'm looking at a Wikipedia entry for a list of Telltale games, mm-hmm. video games. And one of them is Puzzle Agent 2. Oh, and I see. Okay. And one of them is Nelson Tether's Puzzle Agent. So I guess that's <laughs> the first one. Um, so, yeah, this is all um, pretty foreign to me, even though this is my topic. Um, I think like a lot of people... I became aware of Telltale Games. At okay, I guess.
1: A, yeah. Walking Dead.
0: Right. In about 2012, when yeah. they started making Walking Dead video games. So um, that, in my mind, is, is the beginning of Telltale Games. Um, actually, Telltale Games is as old as like 2004 or 05. Mm. And they made a lot of games prior to that, including the ones that you've just talked about. I've played none of them. <laughs> but i have uh it has piqued my interest that for example they made several sam and max games i don't know if yes. you're familiar yeah, okay so uh and uh, they also made a back to the future game um kenny mm-hmm. ri- played
1: a lot of the back to the future game and i saw parts of it but yeah. i never actually played that one
0: seems right up my alley i've just never touched it and um the other thing that is really up my alley, but I've still never touched it, but I just have to acknowledge that it exists, is they made the Homestar Runner video game Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. Yes. Um, and uh, so I but I was aware uh, of what Telltale was doing before I knew what Telltale Games was as a brand. Um, what I really became aware of them when I played the first of their Walking Dead video games. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't play it right away. Uh, oh, okay. I, I was not sucked in by the idea of such a game um, because I didn't care about The Walking Dead, didn't read the comic books, didn't watch the TV show, didn't particularly care to play that game in theory. But two things happened. One is... Um, it was impossible to avoid the praise for that game. It was yes. like on a lot of like best of the year lists or like people calling it game of the year. And the other thing that happened was, like most of their games, it was released in episodes. Mm-hmm. And there came a time where I could get the first episode for free. Mm-hmm. And so I just downloaded it for free thinking, okay, I'll see what the fuss is about. And, uh, and it hooked me and I kept playing, even though it meant buying, you know, what, yeah, spending what followed, spending money. So they,
1: their, their, uh, marketing strategy was successful.
0: So I don't, this is where I, I get into, this might be a little hard for me to put into words because mm-hmm. I, I haven't put my finger on the sort of vague idea I have about this, but, but something that I think is important to mention is that when I got hooked by that first Walking Dead episode, it wasn't because I thought it was great, period, end of story. I thought it was interesting and at the same time, kind of bad. Really? But, but in in a way that I thought was really funny and uh-huh. also still interesting. And that's how I sort of don't that's what I sort of don't know how to put into words. There's something there was, it was it because it was a combination of things and I can't even like, uh, I, 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 I can only sort of, I perceive all of them simultaneously. I'm not aware of all of the things that I'm perceiving, Yeah. but, but the, the, some of the things that I'm aware of are like the dialogue and the writing. Hmm. Uh, and the, like, delivery by certain voice actors, they were all kind of hit and miss. And when they missed, it was, like, kind of funny how bad it was. uh-huh. Um, but also, at the same time, it was, like, really engrossing. Yeah. And one of the reasons it was really engrossing was because they did create characters where it was, like, clear, like, what the character was like what their character was yeah and 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 they were telling an engaging story and not only that but um i liked the the visual aesthetic i liked the way that it looked like a comic book Mm -hmm. but like fully animated you know that sort of self shaded look that the walking dead games have
1: Yeah, which Uh, I want to say like all of the games I've seen from Telltale are like really beautiful to look at.
0: Yeah, they are. And and also at the same time, especially playing that first one, it felt to me like it wasn't fully polished. It felt to Mm -hmm. me like it looked great, but... It looked so good that at least in some little ways, it had to be broken. Like it was Mm -hmm. like too good to be true. There were always just like a few little glitches. And some of that is in the way that it is designed, regardless of the player. Mm -hmm. And some of it is in like the way that you interact with the game. And it only comes because of player agency. Yeah, And that's where I I could go down a road here that I'm not sure if I want to go down. Uh Uh-huh. Which is about player agency and about the um, silliness that you can bring to any video game where you have enough agency to control any one or anything's movement. Mm -hmm. Because a, a video game can present you with the most gorgeous, cinematic, flawless, cutscene mm-hmm. and environment and character design but as soon as you are in control and usually in in a lot of video games that means in control of a human being's movements yeah the player characters movements as soon as you have that control assuming you uh, have free reign you know in an open enough environment. The character is not constrained by anything. If you have free movement, the kind that we think of when we think of uh, a game with a third person perspective. Mm -hmm. From moment one, you can. And frankly, why wouldn't you? Just wiggle the joystick really as quickly as you can willy nilly um, to, to see the character just like, you know, flip out. Will. And do little stuttering circles.
1: <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why
1: not? But I mean... Because short- I like, I want to play the game. I got to get into it. And what if something kills me? Certainly. <laughs>
0: okay. But certainly, like, <laughs> video games. But a yes, lot of video games you'll play, they they will have moments where you're not in any immediate danger. Yes. It's downtime. You do what you want. <laughs> It may not be the very first thing that you do. Yes. But at some point, at the very least, at some point, you will unintentionally make the character do something that looks very co- silly. Comically graceless.
1: Sort of like um how I'm gonna bring it to this. Can you guess what I'm gonna talk about?
0: I guess I don't.
1: How teabagging became a thing in Halo sure do you know what i'm talking about yes i do okay (laughs) like i don't think the halo people ever meant that you could crouch over somebody's body
0: right (laughs) yes that's an example of player agency creating like a meme that like really becomes like very prevalent um and sort of co-opting the mechanics and and what the mechanics were intend intended for uh the 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 point that I if I'm trying to make a point, maybe the point I'm trying to make is the 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 world of the The Walking Dead video game. It's very self-serious. Mm. Uh, and, 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 you know, circumstances are very dire and they and they want to not only t- they want to tell a story that honors The Walking Dead source material. Right. Which is like it's it's not. Return of the Living Dead, you know, it it is it it is a very it's a deadly serious take mm-hmm. on what if uh you know zombies just you know took over the world. Basically. What if
1: there was a pandemic that could kill if, healthy yes. people even.
0: Sci- the things of science fiction. So um th- what so so th- I guess that perhaps in theory is easier to f- pull off in a television show or a comic book or a movie than it is in a video game, where you introduce player agency, yeah. and as soon as that interaction takes place, there is a huge margin for error yeah. in in terms of um, the the tone that you that the creator is 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 going for, the, the mood that they're trying to evoke and what the player can can interject into that whether intentionally or not. Yeah. By by goofing off intentionally or just by accidentally like you know doing a weird spin with their yeah. character and it's yeah. sort of like oh okay well they're not really human anymore yeah. or or they're I, they're weird in this way. <laughs> um so let's take a break from talking about that to just Do a brief aside. Uh, I don't want to go on any longer without acknowledging uh, the tragic end of Telltale Games, uh, which is not only a thing that happened, but that's that's the title of an article that I'm referencing. (laughs) Um, How an award winning studio abruptly shuttered as told by the people who were there. This is published in The Verge, written by Megan. Farouk Manesh. Sorry Amazing. Uh, about how I pronounce that. Assuming but she's got Megan wrong.
1: going for her. as like everyone's got Megan. Megan No F. one's going to miss here, Megan.
0: And so uh, just to uh, – I'm just going to read a few sentences from this article and link in the show notes if you want to read more. Um, just to acknowledge what happened. Um, the woes of Telltale Games have deep roots. Earlier this year, The Verge published a report – Detailing years of non-stop crunch culture, toxic management, and frustration from developers who believed the company's refusal to diversify gameplay had led to creative stagnation. After the company dismissed controversial co-founder and CEO Kevin Bruner in March 2017, former Zynga SVP and GM of Games Pete Hawley stepped in as Telltale CEO in September, then... In November 2017, 90 employees, roughly 25 percent of Telltale at that time, were laid off, um, <sighs> and then that turned into in late 2017 um, they laid off everybody and they shuttered. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly, with like
1: things like a Stranger Things game that was in development that never came out.
0: Yeah, they had multiple things in development, and Stranger Things was probably like the biggest of them, um, at least in name. Um, yeah. So clearly, things were bad for a long time, uh, and then they proved uh, unsustainable, and now um, Telltale is no more, um, except for the fact that um, there's an addendum to that story in the present day, um, which is that some other company um, basically bought the brand and the assets of Telltale.
2: That's new to me. Yeah. That's good.
0: Yeah. there's good, like a maybe. <laughs> There's like a different software company that is now like doing business as Telltale Games. Uh-huh. And um they they have announced what their next or perhaps first game is, uh-huh. uh which is The Wolf Among Us 2. Um,
1: right. And that's based on fables?
0: Yes, it's based you on You told the comic. me
1: about that because I've read almost all the fables. Can you okay. finish them?
0: That's good because I know the game and, and you know the comic book. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that game is, I think, supposed to hopefully come out sometime next year. Um, we'll see uh, what the future holds. But I, I, I look forward to that with great anticipation and cautious optimism. Yes. Um. So, yeah, just didn't want to have this conversation without acknowledging that uh, – Sounds like a badly managed company that was run into the ground. And, uh, oh, yeah, here's something. Uh, you know what else I'll put in the show notes? I think, if maybe if I remember correctly, it won't be the first time I've put Game Workers Unite in the show notes. But uh-huh. shout out to Game Workers Unite. Um, and they should, and let's hope they do. So let's talk about more Telltale Games post- The Walking Dead. So The Walking Dead was my entry point. As I said, I was hooked, for better or for worse. Um, Before I mention any other specific games, let me just, for anyone listening who doesn't have a picture of what I'm talking about, basically, there's a formula to this brand of video game. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And the formula is... Uh, it is, the, the the games are released in episodes. Each episode is maybe around two hours to play. Um, it's kind depending
1: on how stuck you get.
0: It's kind of like watching a movie or a TV show. Uh, it's very story based, as the name Telltale Games implies. You are explicitly warned at the top of every telltale game that the story will bend to the choices that you make playing playing the game
1: because um like Monkey Island, for example, was just a um, like a point and click adventure.
0: Okay, yeah. To be clear, what I'm talking about for, I'm talking about my experience with Telltale yes. games, and that is from The Walking Dead forward. Yes. And I'll get into specifically which games I played in a moment. But basically the games tell you explicitly up front. You're going to make choices. The choices are going to affect the story. Mm -hmm. This is an interactive story. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure, but like deep and advanced. (laughs) Uh, And uh, the way that looks is um, sometimes you will have the kind of agency where you can move your guy around And you can interact with objects and you can talk to certain people and it's like a third person sort of experience. There are other times where it's long stretches, where it's more like you're watching a Mm cutscene, and often not in in not every single line, but often there is dialogue and you will choose your player characters dialogue from usually three options or you can choose silence. And the other characters are supposed to react to what you chose. Mm -hmm. Um, There are often warnings in the corner of the screen telling you so-and-so will remember that or your relationship (laughs) with such-and-such character has changed. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that is it. I think that is their way of sort of saying, Hey, okay, really like hang in there. Cause like, there might be long term consequences to what you just did, and you mm-hmm. might not see them, and you might think that you're not actually affecting the story. But like, hey, something that you just did is—we swear—it's going to have consequences later. So, like, yeah. hang in there. Um, and uh, and uh, the other way that the other the other way that the games have a formula is that um, often a, a cutscene will turn into what's called a quick time event.
1: Yes, I just watched a video about QuickTime events today,
0: and and basically, maybe you can say better what it is because you just watched that video. But in, but basically, what I understand is it's like um, the the interactivity is um, action is happening, and action will pause briefly um, and just with a symbol on the screen just tell you what button to press. Yes. And often it is just a simple button press, but then also sometimes it gets a little bit more complicated, like you have to repeatedly tap the button, or you have to press a combination of buttons, Mm -hmm. or you have to push in one direction or another in particular with the joystick. Um, And it's a quick time event because it's action that you participate in just by pressing the buttons that you are told to press it's not like an an actual action game where like you have to butto-
1: choose which buttons to choose the
0: buttons are assigned to certain actions and mm-hmm. those buttons will do you know a is punch b is kick and that's going to reliably say the same no it's just press the button we tell you and you and you'll get through this and, and do it, it might, quick because yeah, if you don't then you'll fail and you won't get through it and you'll have to start over
1: yeah the the video I watched today I was recruited to do a um thing at work where um you basically present a TED talk or a TED talk like video yeah. and then lead a discussion about it but they're right. supposed to be related to my company's core values. Ooh. So the core value that I was looking at was innovation because it meant I got to talk about poetry.
0: <laughs> ah nice.
1: But the other one I looked at was I found I wanted to um, do something on design and um, in to tie to our value of innovation. Mm. And um, the I wanted to do something on like curb cuts. Mm. And so that's what I ended up finding. Um, do you know about the curb cut effect?
0: I, I don't think so, no.
1: So briefly curb cuts do you know what curb cuts are
0: oh actually i think you told me this already is this the um this is this is the curb cut effect a curb cut is where the curb slopes down into the road and that's for physically disabled people like people in wheelchairs yes um and uh the effect is that we all benefit from it because we all use them
1: So this video was talking about curb cut effect, uh, the curb cut effect in video games, and that having things like a story mode benefits not just people who maybe don't can't play a really difficult video game, but plays people maybe like parents who have like twenty minutes to play a video game and don't want to like can't really get caught up in doing something where they can't save. Yeah. Um, But one of the things they were talking about was quick time events. Um, they, they also pointed out that you should probably call it story mode and not like baby mode because that's condescending. (laughs) Sure. Um, but it was saying that quick time events oftentimes, very often include button mashing. Yep. Um, so like A, 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 A. Some people
0: physically can't do that.
1: Physically can't do it that fast. And, um, having just a sustained button push would probably, probably, and usually has the same amount of, um tension that's created especially because a lot of times the things that people are doing in quick time events and they had a cute little graphic are like hanging on a ledge yes, or like pushing on a wall right
0: yes <laughs> I. the thing I think of is pushing yeah there are a lot of times where they use that mechanic I'm talking about telltale here where you have to repeatedly press the button and what that means is your character is doing a thing that requires stamina and yeah. often it's like you know pushing on a door that the zombies are pushing against on the other yeah. side you yeah. know and so yeah it is supposed it's supposed to create a ludo narrative resonance mm-hmm. that what you are doing physically with your body is a, some kind of bears some kind of similarity to what the yeah. character is doing Um, and, uh, yeah, you could make a case that if there were no button mashing, then you would lose that resonance that comes from the physical activity that you have to do with the controller. Um, but, um, the option, the option should be there for people who need it or will find it useful to have an alternative. Mm -hmm. Um, and any, that anyone who says differently I have no patience for there is a there is discourse there is a lot of discourse online discourse yeah about uh, accessibility uh, in video games and uh, I have no patience for it unless it is saying that what, there should be it. what you're saying which is that yes the the more excessive Accessibility for for different people and different abilities, uh, the better. Often, the, often the, I've seen games use ter- uh, the terminology of like assist mode uh-huh. instead of story mode or the the condescending baby mode or, or or something like that.
1: The thing I saw at the end of this video, which we'll at this point link in the show notes, was saying that um, you know if you can just have it be something you can turn on and off. Right. So so if you like, uh, subtitles, have it yes. so that you can turn them on and off. Text yes. size adjustment, have it yes. so that you can do it. Right. Um, and also that you have to think about these things first because they're incredibly difficult to implement at the end, but they're yeah. fairly easy to do along the way.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You have to, to integrate it early. That makes sense. And, and that's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I want to see that video myself. That's I'll send it to you. Sounds up my alley. Um so that's the telltale formula in a nutshell. The other thing uh I want to add to that is I'm going back to uh the uh, article I referenced earlier. Here's another excerpt. Um for some of the company, Hawley did not bring about the radical changes they had hoped for. One employee described the company's direction under him as business as usual on a fundamental level. Quote, make an expensive deal with an IP holder aim for an unrealistic deadline that forced us to rush production and (laughs) hope we cross the finish line without burning out, unquote. In the end, the company was unable to recoup financial stability. So the reason reason I pulled out that um, excerpt is because I just wanted to uh, reference, uh, make an expensive deal with an IP holder. That's that's the other part of the telltale formula that has nothing to do with how you play the game, but it has everything to do with what these games are and w- why they sold and why I played them to yeah. the extent they that they sold and to the extent that I played them is that um there is uh that, that that after they did that walking I guess you know they had done it before as we said with Homestar Runner, with with uh back to the future etc but
1: even it, with monkey island but even, it's yes. pretty niche
0: right exactly um once they crossed that walking dead threshold in terms of recognition and popularity and success it was okay they they didn't create any original characters any original worlds uh any origi- any original intellectual property or ip um, they made deals Um, to get uh, really uh, widely recognized IP Mm -hmm. and make their type of game based on that and get to play in that world. So with the success of The Walking Dead, they made more and more and more Walking Dead games right up to the end. They were in the middle of what they were already calling The Walking Dead, colon, the final season, um they it was already called that they were in the literally in the middle when it shuttered and it looked like that game might not even get finished and then i think if i understand correctly many of the people who were working on it um were contracted by a games company called skybound and they and they finished it that's good And, and they did it uh if i may say in my personal opinion uh, really well <laughs> oh good okay yeah I thought that final season of The Walking Dead was awesome and uh, I loved loved the ending mm. um so that was on a selfish level I have to say that that was satisfying and I'm happy about that um so some of the other games so uh there so in total there were five seasons of The Walking Dead when I say five that's including one of them is more of a spin-off. It's shorter and it's the Walking Dead Michonne, which I is Love Michonne. Uh, yeah. So so I, I guess maybe it's sort of important to mention that when they made these Walking Dead games, what they did was they created their own story in the world of The Walking Dead. But right. in the first episode of the first game, if I remember correctly, it's been a while. But I think you interact with two characters mm-hmm. who if you watched the show or read the comics you would know. Yeah. But you play as an original character and most of the characters are original. Um and that and that's and then after that first episode where you I think you interact with Glenn and Herschel, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Those um, are names. Yeah uh after that there's there's no there's no more of that that was just like to get the fans in well yeah and
1: to also introduce you into the world sort of exactly
0: yeah and then it's uh, then it's all original except for michonne which was its own special sort of spin-off thing where it's like you love michonne now you get to play as michonne yeah and we'll do this sort of side story it's sort of i think it's in the canon of the tv show
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: I I didn't watch the TV show enough to know this for certain. But I think it's a kind of like, if you watch the show, you might be wondering, what was Michonne up to during these episodes where you didn't see her? Well, play this video game. Um, And I did play the video game. It was cool. Um, After that first Walking Dead, um, they made a game called The Wolf Among Us which they couldn't call Fables because there's a really famous video game series called Fable. Yes. (laughs) So uh, the comic book that it's based on is called Fables. Um, The game is called Wolf Among Us. The Wolf Among Us is a prequel. Mm -hmm. It takes place before any of the events of the comic. And therefore you could say that it is in canon um, without like directly affecting any of the continuity comics. of the yeah. comics um i've only read like the first arc of fables okay and i did that after i played the video
1: game uh-huh do you mean me to explain the premise of the yeah. comics
0: why don't you say your piece about fables before so we move on
1: i've read i i think i have like um one and a half of the books left because the the like compendiums Mm -hmm. um so i don't know how it ends exactly but basically um there's you know all of the fables that you know and love uh got ousted and now live in new york basically yes real world
0: new york new york
1: um in a place called fable town and Mm -hmm. this place is severely um enclosed by magic so that normal Mm -hmm. people can't get in right and um it's all of your faves. Uh, and one of them is the big bad wolf. Um, right. bell is there. Well, who's beauty. Should they her name's beauty. Snow white is there. Um, red is there. Uh, uh, red rose red is there. Who's snow white sister. Um, and in, in some folk tales, um, there's, uh, and then over, and then there's also there's also a, a farm upstate where all of the animals that are magical that don't have a uh, sort of um, human skin. I forget what they call that. So
0: Glamours, like,
1: Glamours, yeah. So the um, the wolf, um, who what do they call him? Big B. Big B. Big, B. Big Bad. Yes. Wolf. So Big B. Um, he has a glamour to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, he can shift back and forth. His father's the North Wind um and so he can live in the town and there's some uh racial stuff not racial but like sort of like you know people who get like treated differently the characters mm-hmm. that get treated differently and so the story is about like sort of the shifting politics of that mm-hmm. um and it gets fucking dark right um part of the reason I actually stopped reading it is cuz there's an arc about one of bigby's children pretty late in um a, uh, going to a sort of land of forgotten toys, um, which was so deeply sad and upsetting to me that I was like, I need to take a break from this and I haven't picked mm. it up again. That was maybe like nine months ago.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting. You were reading it that recently. Yeah. So in the video game, the Wolf Among Us, you play as Bigby, uh, and, uh, it, it is, uh, as, as I believe the comic book does, but it's, sort of easier to realize this in a medium like video games where you have uh audio and animation Mm -hmm. it it has a very film noir uh aesthetic uh to it and big b is basically a a detective on a murder case and that's the story it's like a mystery story of like trying to follow leads and stuff Um, oh one more hmm.
1: note i don't love the cartoon style of the books (laughs)
0: which the the art you mean yeah
1: it's sort of like very old school Mm comic-y which is like a little bit hard for me to look at yeah um which is i mean i feel sort of like uh maybe spoiled or something saying that but Mm -hmm. um the i have seen the graphics for the wolf among us and they're very true to what those characters look like but better (laughs) yes
0: uh, yeah there there there's a reason why i read only the first arc of fables Mm -hmm. and that's because i thought okay um that's well that's fine after i read the first very
1: standalone Uh i will say too yeah um and then it gets sort of like you just keep reading and reading Mm -hmm. and the other thing i do want to say is that um i read all of these because of my book right yes which Which we should plug The first episode since my book has come out, Ashley Sherganash and the Wolf is yes. now out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: I did not introduce you as celebrated author. author. Yes.
1: <laughs> as um, I but have. that's part of the reason why I read through all of that because at the time I was like, um, you know, I started reading them in grad school, and uh, I think my friend Alicia actually gave me the first copy or Kenny. Maybe maybe Kenny told me about it, but then Alicia gave it to me. But. um yeah i was just like i need to know everything about the wolf in popular culture and like this was like the mythic big bad wolf so mm-hmm. that's why I, I ended up reading everything i guess right. he's actually the only redeemable one i said in my reading that there were no redeemable wolves and i guess i was wrong
0: <laughs> yeah that's interesting uh yeah i i hadn't thought of that um so you read it sort of partially as research and yeah if, maybe if i had kept reading I, I would have been absorbed by it but i wasn't so absorbed by that first arc that I... Remind me
1: remind me to tell you something off air so we okay. don't take up more time.
0: <laughs> I will try to do that. Um, so uh, uh, back to the list of games. Um, I have played uh, most of these post Walking Dead. Oh, um, really? I haven't played all of them. So I'm just going to gloss over the ones that I haven't played because um, I'm not doing like a comprehensive history here. I'm just talking about my experience with them um after wolf among us and walking dead season two uh they put out a game called tales from the borderlands um which was the first example of uh an ip well actually no actually sorry i can't say that because that's true of wolf among us too i had i did not care at all about the ip that wolf among us was based on but i played it anyway Mm -hmm. just because I liked The Walking Dead so much, I was yeah. e- eager to play any other Telltale game. And that was perhaps even truer of Tales from the Borderlands. Tales from the Borderlands is stepping into weirder territory because it's like Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us, those were both comic books first. Yeah, Borderlands is a different video game series. Right, yeah. And so they were like, okay, we're going to make our a Telltale game in the world of this other video game, a video game which I tried to play once and was definitely not for me, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but I played tiles from the Borderlands uh, completely, and um, I can at the, at the very least I can say this about it: of all of these games, and maybe out of almost any video game I've played, it has the best use of needle drops. There are there there is like. There's like consistently like, basically like it's very it's very TV inspired. Uh Basically, each episode starts with like a cold open that feeds into a title sequence, and Mm -hmm. the title sequence has like a each one has a unique needle drop, and uh, it it rules. (laughs) Um, After Tales from the Borderlands, uh they crossed another major threshold. Their next game was uh, game of Thrones. Right. Which uh, was uh, a lot like the walking dead in that they said, okay, we're going to tell a new story where you're going to play as original characters in this world that, you know, but also we promise you are going to interact with many of the characters, you know, Mm. and they are going to look and sound just like the TV show. And in fact, the um, TV actors play those roles, those, Amazing. those voice roles. Um, and it was uh, very special, even if it is not my favorite of these games. Yeah. And I'm going to rank them at the end of this, and it is pretty low. Um, but... Uh, Still, a special experience. My my. Yeah, favorite, I
1: can't imagine. I can't imagine that. I mean, I can. I can't imagine. It. I. I've never experienced something like that.
0: Even after, even after that final season of Game of Thrones, I still feel the same way that I've felt about Game of Thrones since I started watching it. I caught on a little bit late, um, but uh, what I've always said is, um. If you have a problem with Game of Thrones, where are you gonna go? Like, if you if you want a substitute to Game of Thrones because yeah. you have a problem with Game of Thrones, what do? You, wh- where are you gonna go? Are mm-hmm. you are you gonna watch Vikings? <laughs> are you gonna just rewatch Lord of the Rings again? Like, he's like, yeah. It it for all of its flaws, and they are enormous numerous 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 and enormous (laughs) for all its flaws it is just in a league of its own yeah there's totally there's no i don't think that there's anything else you can watch that is like it yeah um and therefore which of course that's why there are
1: going to be so many flaws because it's so mm -hmm. big
0: right yeah yeah totally that's one reason yeah the other reason (laughs) is that the people who created it and uh ran it uh suck and they're stupid (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so uh skipping a game i didn't play um in 2016 uh we got batman the telltale series right um speaking i remember
1: when that came out because i remember thinking um because i know we're talking now now that you're framing it like you know they sort of take ip and make a game off of it i'm Mm -hmm. like Oh yeah, that makes sense. I, that, <laughs> I don't think I had really like latched onto that before now, which is silly right. of me. <laughs> but that said, when Batman happened, I was like, "Oh shit, they got Batman!" That just yeah. seems like such a big, like that seems bigger than Game of Thrones, bigger than Walking Dead, because it's like so uh, eternal is the only word that I can think of.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it it it's it's like almost a century old at this yeah. point, right? And um. Here, here's, an, here's a here's another I think key difference is that um, as much as audiences might be familiar with The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, they are not video game players were not necessarily familiar with the experience of getting to play a video game based on Walking Dead or Game of Thrones right. As opposed to Batman, Mm -hmm. where some of the best games you can play uh, give you the opportunity to be Batman. Yes. Uh, There's a whole series.
1: (laughs) And those games, um, like Arkham Asylum and what's the other one? Arkham Uh,
0: Asylum, Arkham City. Yes. The third one that I didn't play, which I think is kind of a common experience, is Arkham Origins. And then the last one was Arkham Knight.
1: So the first two Kenny definitely played. And yeah. those games are games that I normally would be so bored watching Kenny play. Sure. And I wasn't bored watching him play yeah. these, which I think is a testament to how good they are.
0: Right. So this seems to me, in theory, like an insurmountable hurdle. the the the, the, the To answer the question, well, how do we make our own unique you get to be Batman in this video game experience Yeah, that is not totally outshined and frankly demolished by the experience of being Batman in a video game that many people are already familiar with from those mm-hmm. Arkham games. Um, and basically the way they answered that question was like they focused on the detective angle, mm-hmm. which I wish more Batman, I wish the Batman movies would do. Um I I for for as long as Nolan has been out of the picture in terms of directing Batman movies I have just wanted to see a Batman movie that focuses on this character is supposed to be the quote unquote world's greatest detective
1: So I was going to bring that up because Kenny was reading a Japanese manga of Batman
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he posted this on Instagram because he thought it was so funny because Kenny does not post things on Instagram much which he just ha- put on hashtag world the world's greatest detective and it's a picture of of um oh you can't I can't see what you're looking at when I show you my phone so it's Batman and he's like pointing at a glove mm-hmm. and it says a glove besmirched with luminous paint tells us the wearer touched something that was covered in fresh luminous paint. <laughs> yeah Mm -hmm. this particular i'll have kenny tell me what the full name of this was but he said that it was like full of things like this where he was just like what the fuck is happening so
0: this is a this is a translation from japanese into english is that right
1: it must be yeah or even even the um even the i'll have to have him tell me more about it we can put it in the show notes but even the like um drawing some of the drawings he was like what yeah
0: so a few years later, they would put out a second. They would put out a sequel, um, Batman: The Enemy Within, which the hook of that it's it's exactly like the hook. You know, the trans. The, the we remember Batman Begins and then The Dark Knight being yeah. the movie. That what they have in common is the Joker is not in the first one; he's in the second one. Yeah, that they followed <laughs> the same trajectory there. Yeah, um, very clever of them. Um, I, I mean that sincerely. That was <laughs> that was smart and good. <laughs> um, but there is a moment after uh the Bat- the first Batman. There's a moment in time that I remember distinctly, and um this is all I wanted this is all I wanted to talk about. I told I told you before this that I had one episode idea that I was excited about. Yeah. And it was Telltale Games. Huh. And it was just because I just wanted to get out this one thing. I, okay. I, I, re- I remembered this one thing. Yes. And I was like, I would like to say this publicly. I would like to put this out into the world uh-huh. on my podcast. Yes. And the moment <coughs> was... Hmm? Our. Oh, uh, well, today it's mine. <laughs> um, the moment was post-Batman Telltale, uh, an announcement came out. <laughs> Uh, that I learned of on the internet. And the announcement was. Didn't read
1: it in the local paper?
0: No, it was not in the newspaper. I, it was not word of mouth.
1: Uh-huh. Okay.
0: Um, uh, the announcement was, uh, as I remember it, very simply. Telltale plus Marvel. That was it. That uh-huh. was, They the, they didn't say anything more specific than that. Yeah. That was the initial announcement. There's going to be a telltale version of something Marvel. Uh So that got the gears turning in the old noggin. (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's a million different things that this could turn out to be. And I was just trying to speculate about all of them. And I was trying to predict what it would be. And in trying to predict what it would be, I came up with my own pitch for what it should have been. okay. and this is this is what I wanted to say because I I still feel very strongly that this is a great idea and better than what they did. Now there is one sense in which I can acknowledge, I have to admit, it's not better, and that is marketability. Mm-hmm. What they did do, what they did do was they made a Guardians of the Galaxy telltale series. Yes, after the movie, that totally makes sense. People loved Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie, uh, so that is marketable. It's a popular IP, uh, and it is something that makes sense for them to play with in their video game arena.
1: Especially since those movies are so fun compared to all the other ones. I mean, which the other ones aren't not compared fun, to
0: some of many of the other
1: ones. But so many of them are. Um... Like, those are like, you know, we talk about like the music in those. Like, those are specifically just like bouncy, I would say. The
0: Guardians of the Galaxy movies are somewhat uniquely joyful and exuberant in in the MCU. So, it makes sense in theory. Yes, I keep saying in theory in this episode. Um, So, (laughs) uh, uh, just acknowledging that. Uh, Sure. For a lot of reasons, it makes sense they went with Guardians of the Galaxy. Here's my pitch. Um, I came to my pitch by asking myself, well, what could they adapt that won't otherwise be adapted to another medium? And isn't that what they should do? Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't it, it like their thing is like, mostly it's it's been, you know, with the exception of Batman, obviously you get to be Batman. You have to be Batman. Yeah. But in the case of Borderlands, I, not in the case of Wolf Among Us because those are the f- comics characters. In yeah. the case of um, uh, Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and Borderlands, they came up with original characters mm. for their world. They're not going to do that with Marvel. But the closest thing would be to take a character who you are unlikely to see in the movies Yeah, and making the video game for that, and I uh-huh. was thinking of making something for comic fans uh-huh. rather than the casual viewer who just knows the movies. Uh-huh. Um, maybe that's that's a naive way of thinking because that would be a hard thing to sell mm-hmm. to a wider audience. But I'm just thinking about my comic book video game niche subculture audience, and I came up with it: the Telltale game in the Marvel world should be a game in which you play as She Hulk.
1: <sighs> yeah, get the ladies in there
0: because not only is She-Hulk a lady, as you say, and a Hulk, at more than just nominally. <laughs> um, but if if you know if you know anything else about the character beyond what I just said, then probably the next or and perhaps final thing that you know is that she is a lawyer. Right?
1: Ah, I have a look Wouldn't, of surprise and uh, appreciation for Will. what Will has just said on my face.
0: Doesn't that sound like it would be a fun world yeah. to play a video game in? Now, yeah. More fun, I think, in my opinion, than, than the alternative, which is very similar, which is Daredevil. Yeah. Because Daredevil, as many people know, is also a lawyer in addition to being a superhero. (laughs) But we've already seen a Daredevil movie starring Ben Affleck. We've already seen the Daredevil TV series on Netflix. Um, I think playing as She-Hulk would be more fun than playing as Daredevil. Yeah. Um, Although, I don't know, it might be perhaps interesting to, I don't know, have some, I'm just thinking about this now for the first time might be interesting to do some kind of transition between like normally you see the world in third person but there are some segments where it's in first person you see the world the way he sees it because he's blind but he has this kind of extrasensory way of visualizing the world uh because he's a ninja (laughs) and he's blind (laughs) well i mean Um,
1: i think that's what that's the thing that would make that particularly good for that medium is you know a game mechanic where you're doing that sort of like um, I'm pulsing my hand in the air. Yes. that they did in the Ben Affleck movie.
0: Yes, right. <clears throat> um, and you're very remo-
1: um like Toph in Avatar.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. And you're you're you were making me think of like in the Batman Arkham games, you can s- any time switch into detective mode, and that's yeah. a way of kind of seeing like an X-ray. Yeah. Um, that's that's been done before. That that Batman is not the same story as Daredevil, but that kind of mechanic we've seen it maybe too many video games have done it at this point yeah um we've seen daredevil we know daredevil i got very excited about the idea that telltale might put the spotlight on a character who wouldn't otherwise get the spotlight yeah and i was like convinced that like telltale should make their ace attorney style uh, game. Uh-huh. Uh, starring She-Hulk. Uh, in the Marvel universe, and then today, just today, to verify what I th- thought I knew about She-Hulk, um, I looked up She-Hulk on Wikipedia, <laughs> and um, here's just I only, you know, I only scratched the surface. I uh-huh. barely scratched the surface of the research that I could do into she hulk and in barely scratching the surface i came upon this sentence on wikipedia Uh, she eventually gains control of her transformations when michael morbius cures her of a lethal blood disease as a criminal defense lawyer (laughs) she defended morbius in his trial for his vampiric killings (laughs) cool
1: (laughs) yeah that's cool
0: adapt that <laughs> make a She-Hulk video game that is story based,
1: uh-huh. but
0: where once in a while for fun, you get to yeah. Hulk out and rampage and Hulk smash.
1: Got to a- you get to uh, ape out.
0: Oh, I love ape out. Don't get I me started on ape out. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, but the main thrust because it's a story based, story focused video yes. game. The main thrust is you you're a lawyer with a client Mm -hmm. and and now now i can add to my pitch just based on that wikipedia sentence that client is morbius the living vampire (laughs) cool
1: (laughs) i love that will i love that so much
0: i'm sad and angry that we didn't get that thing that i came up with
1: (laughs) you're sad and angry that you didn't you didn't have a completely different career path that involved you being hired by Telltale Games and getting to pitch and then execute a video game.
0: I would have sold that so hard. I would have bet my life on it. Um, so uh, just real quick, because um, we're talking about um, who who will get the spotlight. I sincerely thought to myself, well, they should do the She-Hulk video game, not only because we haven't seen this character on the silver screen but because we never will yeah that's what i i thought that's that's just that's just never gonna happen yeah she hulk is one supposed to be one of the disney plus series that we get eventually right has she been Um, cast i don't think so and um it it may or may not yeah, I, I don't, yeah, that's all I know about that, okay. is that that was one of the things that they announced was eventually coming down, with like, yeah. Ms. Marvel was one of the things they, they announced. That's like a ways away, maybe it'll never happen, but it's supposed to. The Ms.
1: Marvelous to. life of. It,
0: the Yes, <laughs> the, yes, it's going to be their Ms., Mrs. Maisel, uh, <laughs> it's going to have a real Gilmore Girls vibe. Oh, God. Um, uh, the, uh, the other, the other spotlight moment to, you know, silver screen shout out to mention is that, do, do you know about the Morbius movie? No. Oh, okay. Do you know about the character Morbius, the living vampire, that that's a real name that I didn't just pull out of a hat?
1: <sighs> no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I didn't before just now.
0: Morbius, the Living Vampire, is a real Marvel Comics character who was a Spider-Man villain. Uh-huh. Uh, and you remember the Venom movie starring yeah. Tom Hardy? Oh, so yes. I so didn't see it,
1: but I watched that trailer every time it came on.
0: I also haven't seen it. The, surprisingly enough, there are superhero and comic book movies that I don't see. Yeah, um, and uh, that's one of them. And um, that's not an MCU movie. That's a that's like a Sony offshoot yeah sort kind of sort of in collaboration with marvel Mm -hmm. um but they they sony wants to continue making their own spider-man movies Mm -hmm. but they're like they're doing like spin-offs since the mainline spider-man movies are in the mcu right that was Um, the deal and the next spin-off is a morbius the living vampire movie holy shit starring jared leto as morbius and and lest you think that this is just speculative and it's like one of those things that like deadline says this is going to happen and then it never happens it's just a meeting that someone had there's a trailer for this movie that you can watch
1: (laughs) can you please describe like the range of emotions i just went through (laughs) Um just
0: various shades of bafflement and perhaps a hint of disgust uh, yeah, was thrown accurate. in there as well.
2: I think that's
0: uh, accurate. So um to recap, um, because I think I've mentioned them all by now, I played all the Walking Dead games, I played The Wolf Among Us, I played both Batman games, I played Tales from the Borderlands and Game of Thrones and Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. And now I'm gonna rank them.
1: Do it. I and dare you.
0: Oh, all right. Uh, Can you not, imagine
1: if you were like I it's too much pressure. My <laughs> <you
0: know? laughs> not not necessary, but okay. Uh, and just for the sake of simplicity, um, I'm gonna lump the series together. I'm not gonna bother to rank the individual yes. seasons. so yes. The Walking Dead, that is one entry and uh-huh. Batman. That is one entry. Yeah. Um, The uh, number one slot uh, goes to The Wolf Among Us. Nice. That is my favorite of any of these games. Uh, I guess I I need
1: to play it. I feel like you've recommended it to me before.
0: I really love the neon noir aesthetic. Um, I like that it's a mystery and a detective story. And uh, I really like the character designs. And there's a moment Towards the end, it's either in episode four, or episode five. It's been a while since I played it; I can't remember. But there's a particular moment w- that is a kind of catharsis or sort of crescendo of action that is the the most like the the most overflowing with um, uh, uh, positive uh, energy and emotions that I've had playing these games. Great. Um, the second slot is for Walking Dead. Nice. Which has provoked a lot of uh, negative emotions. <laughs> um, uh, m- multiple tears have been shed uh, over the events of uh, that ongoing story.
1: I I haven't, as you know, played any of those, but I did watch. Do you know the YouTube channel Out of Bounds? Uh, the I series, I guess? No. Basically, a dude. I think you'd like it. A dude oh, takes.
0: Is, is it like glitch hunting?
1: So, no, a dude takes um breaks the video game so that he can take the camera out of the normal bounds of play. Mm. So he's not exactly looking for glitches. He's just more so looking at like how things function and where things spawn. Uh-huh. Um, but he did one for The Walking Dead that we watched, and yeah. I was crying watching that.
0: <laughs> yes, just getting getting glimpses at the at the story and the yeah. content. Yeah. Um. So yeah, very powerful emotions on the other end of the spectrum. Um, playing those games. The third slot I would give to the Batman series. Uh, The fourth slot I'm giving to Tales from the Borderlands, Mm -hmm. which was just like a really pleasant surprise because I had like a, a, a small but negative relationship with that world and that IP. So I was not at all primed to enjoy that particular game and yet i enjoyed it a lot uh despite that um it's uh the the comedy is is sort of hit and miss um but when it hits it's 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 good um the next slot goes to game of thrones which uh was kind of meh but uh also a thrill just for you know what it is basically yeah. in in you know basic terms. Um it's a new
1: and, way to hang out with friends.
0: Yes, my friends, like Tyrion. Yeah. Uh and the worst of these games that I played is the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Especially
1: because, because your uh expectations were so high about it being about She-Hulk and then She Hulk well, didn't make a single appearance.
0: It's precisely because it is not a She Hulk game that that this is <laughs> the 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 worst that this gets the the toilet slot in the rankings Mm -hmm. um no but actually more sincerely um i had i had a little bit of fun with that game but i thought it was mostly underwhelming and i thought that um it was very clear that they had an idea which was we do five episodes per game and there are five guardians of the galaxy. Oh, so what if each one got a spotlight <laughs> in, in, in each episode?
1: Yeah. And that, they were like, guys, the math works out. Yes.
0: Yeah. They were, they seemed very proud of themselves, probably patted themselves on the back. Um, that led to a lot of like, okay, so basically like, if I remember correctly, like episode two is the one that has, the Gamora flashbacks, mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. Um, that led to just a story that felt more fractured and more perfunctory uh, than the other Telltale games, in yeah. my opinion and in my experience. So um, for for that reason, I, I wasn't um, too uh, pleased with it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Um, so yeah, basically, um, all the business that I really wanted to do was to just put my She-Hulk pitch into the world, Mm -hmm. uh, and to rank those games, uh, which I have played and, and, and I've done that now. So I've said my piece and what, what's, what else is there to say?
1: I want to bring up something about the way, a way that you and I are similar um, that is different from Kenny about this because I think part part of what's happening with uh, with Telltale Games and this was on a larger scale that you just brought it up, but that like trying to like note like finishing one episode and wondering what's going to happen in the next one, mm-hmm. which is something that doesn't happen with video games as often because mm-hmm. you know you might not get a second video game and right. also they are bigger and take longer, but you do get with something like television all the time. Yes, you and I love. Trying to figure it out. Yeah. Kenny mostly does not. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not to say he does not think about it or entertain it, but a lot of the times, um, Kenny specifically wants to experience it the way that the I will say author here loosely intends it to be experienced. Mm. And so he doesn't super like that to be tainted by what he imagined something would or should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really interesting. I think, I think there's something sweet about that, even if it's annoying to me sometimes. <laughs> now that said, Kenny mm-hmm. and I also both, and I don't know if you do this. I'm sure you must to some degree, but I don't know if you do it as much as we do. You know, Kenny and I, if we, when we finish something, retroactively go back and like, we'll read a bunch of supplementary materials. So, like when Overdin was done, I was looking mm-hmm. for some video or book buzzfeed type list list that was like yeah you know little things you might have missed in the Oberdin.
0: right right sometimes I d- will do that not uh so much that I would say always or even often but sometimes I do that I think I do it especially with video games more than yeah. other media because with video games there is really the sense that like there's there's more there that I might have yeah. missed yeah, and so, really. uh, like when I finished Disco Elysium just uh, the other day, I was going online searching for like specific parts of the game, going like, okay, trying to find out how could this have gone differently.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know how you know how could it have ended differently, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the the other thing you made me think of that I wanted to say is the way that you just described. Um, Kenny's, uh, interaction or, or, or attitude toward, you know, sto- stories and media, um, and, and honoring the, the authorial intent may just made me want or at res- least
1: initially at least, honoring okay. it. Yeah.
0: Like when you're in the middle of it, um, yeah. before you have the benefit of hindsight, I would, I would just add to that, that I, that's totally valid and I can wrap my head around that. I think that there are a lot of cases where a, 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 an episodic story, a serialized story, mm-hmm. is designed to you know with the intention of 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 making you so eager to see what happens next that your mind will go wild oh. with the possibilities. Absolutely, yes, and and so um, like. At this very moment, we there is one episode left in the current season of Better Call Saul, which we are watching and which is phenomenal.
1: Kenny loves it. Yeah.
0: And I won't spoil anything, but we just had the experience where when we just finished watching the most recent episode, and and this is, I think, a fairly common experience. I turned to Dana and I went, so do you think that they're going to have to do this? Yeah. Like, like yeah. do you, like, I... Do you do you see this going the way that I see it going, and then we just just sort of compare notes? Um, I'm more prone to doing that than Dana is, Uh Um, but Dana is is uh, most times willing to discuss it with me, uh, at least. And it's it's kind of it 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 can be fun, in my opinion, to uh, speculate on those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, and and I just want to say, Kenny is by no means obsessive about this. It's just Mm -hmm. that. He has a a tendency and I have a tendency. And there have been times where he has said to me, I don't really want to speculate about this. I just Mm -hmm. want to see what happens when Mm -hmm. it happens. Mm -hmm. And I've been like, oh, but I want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I've been there. Um, Was there anything else that you wanted to add?
1: That's all I have to say. Okay. I think that's all. That I just miss. I miss Monkey Island. Mm, Yeah. And I am. I think that's the other thing. I really appreciated that you told me about Kentucky Route Zero and about mm-hmm. um They aren't funny like on Monkey Island. I just remember laughing so hard that I cried playing Monkey Island.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but um, they make me feel the same way. And that it's like um, it, they just feel... I hate to use the word accessible here. But they just feel so like they were made for me. Like they feel so accessible to me. Like I, I'm not yeah. scaling a wall to play them.
0: Right. Yeah. In the future, uh, we will... Continue to have a conversation that we've already scratched the surface of in our Pokemon Go episode mm-hmm. about um, what is a game and yeah. what counts as a game, mm-hmm. um, which is a conversation that has ha- been had multiple times on the How Did This Get Played podcast, which I've re- referenced before, oh, yeah. which is so entertaining that it is a podcast that I always listen to a new episode like right away. Mm-hmm. Um but when that topic comes up it is so frustrating <laughs> like, <laughs> it is infuriating uh yeah. to me to listen to it but at the same time i'm also still glad that they're having that conversation cuz i would rather they did talk about it than than never talk about it
1: yeah
0: uh even if i don't always agree with what's being said and even if i want to chime in but i can't because i am the listener of a podcast (laughs) um okay uh even though i have that nagging feeling like i was gonna say something that i forget uh let's uh say goodbye now okay and And well, i'll
1: see you so soon
0: yes see you very soon and thank you for listening and that means you liz and also anyone (laughs) else who listened
1: Good night or good morning.
0: Good morning. Good night. Good evening. Goodbye. Love I you, was Liz. I almost hung
1: up the phone accidentally. Love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Will is on Twitter and letterboxed at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com.
0: You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, Lakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram.